From the poorhouse to the palace, Bethel Baptist Church is pleased to bring you this uplifting program hosted by Dr. Doug Castle. Please stay with us and open your heart as Dr. Castle opens God's Word. Well, today we're going to continue on here in Zechariah chapter 4. We kind of gave you the first three verses, and we saw that there was the two olive, the, there was the golden candlestick there, olive gold with a bowl on the top of it, and seven lamps thereof, the menorah, and talked about the communion of the holy place. And uh, you first have to go to the table of showbread and read your Bible, and then you'll have to pray and get from God the tools and the timber to do His work, but then you'll have to cooperate with God in His holy service and be yielding to His Holy Spirit. And that's what the Bible says here in verse 6. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. And may I say that many churches, if not most, and many Christians, if not most, apart and as a whole, have poor communion with Christ. Remember yesterday we talked about most people just wandering around in the outer court of cleansing and Calvary, but they have not communion. They have not been consecrated to Christian service. And one of the grievous sins of our churches today is that they will come and hear about Christ, but they have no real communion with Christ. And at best, most churches are strong on Bible, but weak in prayer and spirit. Your Bible is the side of your faith. It is tangible. That unseen faith that is strong only in the person of the Holy Spirit and prayer is little known to most today. And you can always tell about these churches because they are doctrinally, doctrinally sound, but they are dead as a doornail, just like the church of Sardis. They fight and they bicker because they spend all their time at each other's throats instead of bound in humility, in humility before the throne of God. And we need to strengthen our threefold cord again and make the Holy Spirit spirit uh, to uh, a welcome person in our churches and someone that we have no power over but who can have all power over us and that who we can go to and yoke in Christian service with prayer a house of prayer not a place to just take prayer requests and make mention of prayer but a house of prayer and Jesus said that his house or his temple his tabernacle is to be a house of prayer and we are told to be that but Jude said but ye beloved building up your most holy God, uh, most holy faith keep yourselves in the love of God, praying in the Holy Ghost. And I fear that the prayer meetings of most churches today are a joke, and I've been burdened uh, about prayer meetings for some time, and we need to bring back real prayer meetings. By the way, in our church, we have prayer meetings. At least once a month, uh, we have a time that we take and we sing a song. We open in prayer, sing a song, shake a couple hands, take some requests, and we pray for an hour. And that doesn't make us super spiritual, but it is trying. To, we are trying to be a house of prayer. And uh, we're going to... Uh, uh, have we're, we're going to make uh, we made Calvary night Wednesday night Calvary night the prayer meeting night and that was the night that Christ had close communion with the twelve just before he was taken to be crucified in the in the time that they gathered before Jesus was taken Jesus preached and prayed they took the Lord's supper they sung in him and that's why we have pre Wednesday night prayer and Bible study and and uh, I believe that uh, something that was part of the early church has become uh, disconnected and uh, dismembered from the church today. And I believe it's largely in part to the lack of personal prayer. You can't get people to come out in a prayer meeting night that don't pray on home, pray, uh, pray alone with God at home and enter into their closet in secret at home. And because there is no personal time in prayer, people do not know how to spend time in corporate public prayer. But uh, I think there are those that want to. 
And let me just encourage you to be there at prayer meeting nights. And if you have, if your church has prayer meeting before the services or men's prayer meeting, you need to be there at the prayer meeting. That's the key to the good day is to begin with prayer. And the more prayer there is, the better day you'll have. And some of you gripe about the preaching. Some of you gripe about the preacher, but you haven't covered him in prayer. And how is he supposed to operate in the power of God when, when he's the only one that's asked for God's power and God's given a church to help him and to strengthen him? And uh, it ought to be your first priority. And uh, it would be, uh, we need that. And, and your preacher needs that. And what, what do you think God would do with, with, with church-wide prayer meetings again? I'm not talking about cottage prayer meetings where they make cottage cheese out of the preacher. I'm talking about going to the church and making prayer. And you could have revival and get the Holy Ghost to blow through and stay a while then. And again, I'm not talking about indwellment. There is what God is in us and there is what God does with us. And those are two different things. And God will do something with you through a prayer life and a, a life and a church that has all three prayer and Bible and the Holy Spirit of God is able to move mountains for that menorah here that we see is the menorah it shows us the person and reveals to us the person of Christ there were seven branches. There was a branch that extended from the center shaft and then three on each side of it. You have three on each side and one in the middle. It's a reminder of our God and his triune being as God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, and also his triune nature, all present, all knowing, all powerful. And these seven lights are a perfect and a complete picture of God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit, and their omniscient, omnipotent present and omnipotent activity and the menorah shows christ that single center candlestick as the light of the world first john 1 5 this then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that god is light and in him is no darkness at all remember that god is light in john in john 8 9 and 11 jesus said I am the light of the world. By the way, he did not say he was the light of the Jews. He said he was the light of the world. And that is the Jew and also the Greek. Amen. In John 10, Jesus celebrated the Feast of Dedication or the Feast of Lights, or today we call it Hanukkah. Daniel prophesied 350 years prior to its happenings that Antiochus Epiphanes would come in and slit the throat of a pig and, uh, and desecrate the temple. And Daniel chapter 11 tells us that the Maccabees would come and reestablish the light. And during that 400 period uh, year, year period that lies beneath uh, the, silently between the Old and two New Testaments, Alexander the Great rose to world power and conquest quicker than any other human being in the history of the world before or after him. Even to this day, he was ruler of Macedonia at 16. He became general at 18 and conquered the known world at 20. He died a drunkard's death at the age of 32. He filled the cup of Hercules and drank it all until it was gone and poisoned his body. He was buried with his hands outside of his coffin. And as they carried him through the streets, his hands outside his coffins, he wanted all to see that in his life, and they said, why are Alexander's hands outside the coffin? And he wanted the world to know that in life, Alexander had everything, but in death, he had nothing. And that's what Mark 8, 36 says, for what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? After his fall, the kingdom was divided by four generals. Antiochus Epiphanes became the ruler of Jerusalem. When Alexander the Great entered Jerusalem, the high priest Jadus came out wearing the priestly robes and the ephod. Alexander the Great bowed before him and reverenced the name of God. Antiochus was not the same. The Jews called him the devourer, the unjust one in purple, the cruel, the rejecter of light. He destroyed the temple and all that was in it on the 25th day of the 12-month 
Kosar. By the way, that's December 25th for those of you rocket scientists that are paying attention. And that was in the year 167 BC before the birth of before Christ. And three years later, on the 25th day, Christmas Day again, on the 12th month, Kosar in 164 BC, the Maccabees uh, came back. Jacob Maccabeus and his sons came back and fought and took Jerusalem and the temple. They went into the holy place. They found the menorah. That's the golden candlestick. And remember that golden candlestick was the only light to be found anywhere in the tabernacle and then later the temple, the temple in the Maccabees days. And they found just enough virgin olive oil. The word for oil press in the Bible is Gethsemane. How about that? Jesus, the place of his pressing. They found enough pure virgin olive oil to burn for one day. They lit that one day's worth of oil and the menorah burned for eight days and thus Hanukkah or the Feast of Lights was born. Eight is the number of new beginnings, by the way, in your Bible. And the Jews light a candle on the 18th day of the 12th month Kosar, December, and then they light another candle each day until the December 25th. And there are eight candles for each of the eight days that the golden candlestick, the menorah, burned. And that is the person of Christ. And Jesus, when he said, I am the light of the world at the Feast of Hanukkah, that is exactly what he meant. New beginnings are here. New life through salvation through Jesus Christ. That's exciting. Isn't Zechariah an exciting book? It's been exciting for me. We looked at the menorah, the picture of Christ. Tomorrow, we're going to look at the picture of, or the person of Christ today. Tomorrow, we're going to look at it and see the picture of prophecy that comes with it. And uh, I hope you'll be here with us and will be a blessing to you uh, as we can, as the Lord allows. And uh, you join us, join us tomorrow as the Lord gives you an opportunity. No longer a in rags of poverty. You've been enjoying the program From the Poorhouse to the Palace. Find Pastor Castle's Bible commentaries and other resources when you visit the website bbclinton.com. Archived broadcasts of this radio program are available at WYTJRadio.com. Listen to the latest broadcast wherever you are or catch up on what you missed whenever you want by subscribing to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts. Just search From the Poorhouse to the Palace. From the poor-